The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of The Yard. A little bit later than I wanted to be, you know, life on life's terms, you know. Always something going on cars in the shop put other short cars in the shop there's always something there's always something wish i could get rich you know what i'm saying have people take care of that stuff for me be great i could just be here with you all we could do more facebook lives we could watch more netflix right be a good time but uh but here we are we got some transfer stuff to talk about we've got some uh i'm going to give you a transfer portal update today we've had a couple new names go in of course uh you know, we've had Makai Polk declare for the NFL draft. Not totally unexpected if you listen to this show. We've mentioned that as a possibility numerous times. It is still a disappointment, but it is not unexpected. I know people are like, oh, my gosh, Steve. Yeah, but here's the deal, and uh, I, I mean this with as much respect as I can to Makai Polk. And no way am I trying to diminish his contribution to this football program. But we're going to have another Makai Polk. We're going to have another guy have over 100 receptions in a season. In the scheme in which we run, we're going to have guys like him regularly. Just how it's going to work. You know, the numbers are there. You're not selling a promise. You're selling production. And so, wish Makai Polk the absolute best. Um, that'll be just cool. Yeah, but we're going to, we're going to have some other people come in that are going to play well, you know, in this scheme. I don't think there's any questions about it. I mean, we're going to be able to attract wide receiver candidates that maybe perhaps in years past we haven't been able to. Yeah, and let's be honest, Makai Polk wouldn't be here if he hadn't been recruited by Mike Leach and his staff uh, when he was a high school prospect. And so there was already a relationship there. And so there was an understanding of what this offense could do for Makai Polk. So, again, we wish the absolute best for him. If I had to call it today – I'd say he's probably a late-round pick. I mean, you know, the yards after the catch and then your broken tackles force, all of that kind of factors into the NFL analytics. Yes, this guy can catch a lot of footballs. Yes, this guy can be very productive. Yes, this guy can get open. And so there's a market for a guy like that. I just don't think you spend a high-value pick, you know, on a guy like that that maybe doesn't show the ability to run away from people. So it is what it is, but uh, we are very appreciative to Mike Hopolk for his contributions to Mississippi State football, and, uh, you know, we'll see how things go from here. But, again, yeah, I think you can kind of flip the script, as I mentioned, uh, you know, earlier in the week. I mean, I think you can kind of show, hey, uh, so, so here's, here's how it's going to go, you know. I mean, it's like, hey, this guy was kind of undervalued at Cal. He came in here, became kind of a household name in the SEC, caught 100 footballs. We think you can be as good or better. And so you need him to get drafted because it helps the Bulldog brand, right? And not to mention you want what's best for the young man. But it is what it is. So at this point, I don't expect any further NFL declarations. Now, that's not to say there aren't some other people out there doing their due diligence. As I mentioned on the show before, Ty Wheat and Randy Charlton were both guys that uh, I was told would get their draft grade. And, uh, you know, so they could ultimately decide they have until the 17th. I don't expect them to go pro. 
But I can't say that I'll be totally shocked if they do. I mean, I think it'd be a mistake for both of them. Uh, but the reality of it is, is, you know, this is the world in which we live. And one of the things that I think that helps us a little bit and maybe encumbers Makai Polk a little bit is it's going to be a pretty loaded draft. Because there are a lot of guys that came back for a COVID year that would have gone pro last year or at least gone through the NFL draft process that are going, coming out this year. And so you're going to have a pretty crowded draft pool. And so I think some guys will say, you know what, hey, I think I better come back for another year. Uh, but the reality of it is I don't know if Makai Polk really planned to be here you know, for his full eligibility. I think maybe perhaps he's thinking, hey, listen, let me go up there and put up a good year in the SEC, and then I'll go pro and see what happens. And so a lot of people bet on themselves. I think he probably benefits in coming back for another year, but, you know, he didn't ask me. He didn't ask you. And so we just got to hope for the best for him and for Mississippi State. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Love those folks to death. You will too. It's a love affair that is always faithful. Simple as that. You get what you pay for. You get more, more than what you pay for when you go to Bulldog Burger Company. The portions are outstanding. The service is great. The atmosphere is great. I've never had a negative experience there. And that's saying an awful lot, as often as I've gone. That's the thing that I will say that's probably one of the best attributes of Bulldog Burger Company is consistency. You know, sometimes you go to places, and hey, it was really good tonight. Ah, oh, it wasn't so good this time. Kind of had an off night. Just not how it is at Bulldog Burger Company. I got a good system in place. Three great locations to serve your university drive right here in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and of course, the brand new one in Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure to go check them out when you're in central Mississippi. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. You'll be glad you did. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. It's science. And that's the one thing we've learned in the last year is we should trust the science. Well, it's a scientific fact. The spring rolls make you better looking. Trust me on this. How do you think I've remained so youthful and exuberant? It's the spring rolls. That's the secret to success. That's how you remain beautiful. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Okay, so since we were together, we have had a couple players go into the NCAA transfer portal. Well... I can't say that either are a big shock. I've been hearing Calvin McMillian was likely going in the portal for some time now. Um, and, and it just basically boils down to playing time. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman, right? He, he signed as a member of the 2020 class and had a handful of offers. But, you know, he's an in-state guy, wanting to stay closer to home. It just hasn't worked out. And he is a great young man. And, and I, I don't just throw that around frivolously. Calvin McMegan is outstanding. Now, in high school at times, he took some plays off. He did. Went to Washington play myself. But I felt that he was going to be a very good developmental offensive lineman for Mississippi State. But here's the reality of this, is he is probably a better run blocker than pass blocker. And that's not always the easiest skill to attain. You get better. I mean, everybody, if enough practice, you get a little bit better. But he is really kind of more of a road grader type. Needs to probably be in a more balanced offense that kind of lends itself to his skill set. You know, he wants to be able to get out there and flatten out his back and blow somebody off the line of scrimmage. I won't be the least bit surprised if he ends up at Southern Miss. I think that would be a good fit for him. I think that is a level that he can play and contribute and be successful. I think it's also an offense that kind of lends itself more to what he does well. And so there's no negative feelings here. You know, Calvin McMillian's not a guy that uh, was ever in any trouble at Mississippi State. 
Calvin McMillian was the guy that, you know, every time that I saw him, he looked better, looked bigger, stronger, looked to be outstanding, always had the smile on his face. And so this is not a situation by any stretch of the imagination where a guy is being processed for being like a malcontent or anything like that. And I think it's important to understand that. The flip side of that is, too, is he wasn't unhappy here. You know, wasn't unhappy. Wasn't like that he was here and being mistreated and didn't like the experience. The reality of it is, is you get a short time in life to play sports. And after two years in the program, it looks to be that Calvin McMillian is probably a guy at Mississippi State's not going to play a whole lot. You know, unless there are some unfortunate injuries, chances are Calvin McMillian is going to primarily be a reserve here at Mississippi State. Now, there's two things there. Number one, we don't need non-productive scholarships. And what I mean by that is, is you don't need guys riding the scholarship roles that are not, not making a contribution on the field. And that's how this appeared to be trending. The flip side of it is, is you really don't want a guy that is, is kind of content to be a career backup. And that's not who Calvin is. He really wants to get on the field. And so in order to do that, he's going to have to go into the NCAA transfer portal. I have heard uh, that Southern Miss is probably a likely destination for him, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And I, I think that would be great for both parties. I think everybody benefits. I think Mississippi State benefits, Southern Miss benefits, and Calvin McMillian, first and foremost, he benefits from that move. And so, again, there are a lot of times when guys go in the portal, people think something's wrong or something's wrong with the player. That's just not the case here, just simply not the case. And I, I think it's important that we get that out there, kind of end that public discussion so people don't think, oh, well, he must have got in trouble. That's just not the case at all, none whatsoever. Aaron Odom goes into the portal, not exactly sure where he's headed. I won't be surprised if he goes to Jackson State. People forget Aaron Odom – uh, you know, was a guy that, uh, you know, was very highly recruited out of high school and uh, flipped to Louisville for a short time and then stayed flips him back. And I remember when all that happened, you know, people were like, oh, this didn't make any sense. And he had some people in his corner that were kind of trying to uh, push the recruitment a little bit, and um, that's kind of how it worked out. But he, this is a guy that had a handful of great offers and had a really, really impressive high school career there at Callaway. But, uh, you know, State gets him back on an official visit late after he goes to Louisville and commits, and he does take the official visit to State, flips back to State. That was late in January 20th. But he, he claimed to offer some Alabama, Cincinnati, Florida State, Indiana, Louisiana, uh, Memphis, Minnesota, Missouri, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Tennessee, among many others. And he just hasn't lived up to our projections. You know, we just really thought that he would be a difference maker at Mississippi State, and he hadn't been. And, again, not a guy that's caused problems by any stretch. You know, he's not one of those guys you look at and say, well, you know, this guy's coming here and, and uh, you know, caused problems in the locker room in the program. Again, not the case at all. I've never heard anybody say anything negative about Aaron Odom's character at any point through his recruitment or, um, you know, through this process of him being a Bulldog. It's just never come together for him. Now, he was banged up. You know, he had offseason surgery and, and – uh, it kind of took him a while to get going again, and uh, he did play some meaningful snaps for us this year. And, you know, we played some for us last year. But, uh, you know, the reality of this thing is, is, you know, if he is not going to play a significant role for us at this point in his career, he's probably better off going somewhere else. And, again, this is not a situation where a guy's being, uh, you know, pushed out the door. It's just not. But at the same time, too, it's something you, you kind of understand. Uh, he appeared in 11 games last year during the 2020 season, started two. 
that was his first starts of his career at Mississippi State. But ran basically as a second teamer. You know, we had some guys that missed some time with COVID. And so, uh, as a result, you know, he was uh, – he was kind of pushed into action. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a redshirt senior, and he has the COVID year available to him. It's kind of like some of these guys that we're out recruiting now. It's like, okay, I've got four years, and I've got my degree. Let me go get on the field somewhere. I got one year left to kind of get this thing right, so let me go make a move. And we support it. You know, again, it's not you – know, we, we'd love to have, uh, you know, Aaron Odom, you know, be here and be a part of this, you know. And – um but the reality of it is, is he's not going to expected to be a significant contributor. You know, he's just not, and uh, and that's okay. Not everybody can be. But when we break this thing down and look at our numbers for this year, you know, look at the um, the contributions that he made uh, at Mississippi State as a senior. You know, he uh, he had 17 total tackles this year. His, uh, his biggest game of the year was against Tennessee State. He had six tackles there. Uh, had a hand in, uh, in three sacks. Had a huge sack against Vanderbilt. You may recall that one. Had a big sack against LSU, too. And so, again, just kind of a reserve defensive lineman. Played in 12 games this year. Played in 11 last year. So, he's had a chance to play in the SEC and just really hasn't broken through. And, again, this is not a situation where, you know, Aaron Odom has just, has just you know, caused any issues. And so – Again, I think it's important that everybody understand because, you know, as, as I'm sitting here recording the show for you guys, I'm getting, you know, some of these people say, oh, we'll pull his scholarship. Guys, he's, uh, he's not on scholarship anymore. We're not in class right now. He's already completed the fall semester. The spring semester doesn't start for about 10 days. So he'll be on somebody else's scholarship roles the next time. Now, that's not necessarily talking about Aaron Odom. I'm just talking about in general. When there are a lot of people that don't seem to understand how this NCAA transfer portal works. And they take it as a personal insult to them because they love Mississippi State so much. And they think, oh, well, if this guy didn't want us, then the heck with him. It's not always that simple. And more times than not, that's not the case at all. I am certain Aaron Odom would love to stay at Mississippi State if he felt like he was going to be a starter next year or potentially, you know, a two-deep guy that's going to see significant reps. But there are no guarantees. And so if he has any NFL aspirations – He's got to go put some things on tape. Maybe going to Jackson State's a good thing for him. I've always felt he was a little bit of a tweener, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, he's a guy that uh, you know, plays with some effort at times, but uh, you know, not exactly the most explosive guy off the edge. And then, uh, you know, not a situation, too, where a guy that's probably uh, could slide inside. So he needs to go find a place that he fits and a place that he plays. And, again, we appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State Athletics. Armandus Cooley, you guys are well aware of this. He also was the guy that went in the portal and uh, is now headed to Southern Miss, along with Janari Dean. I, I believe Calvin McMillian will go with them. Uh, there have been four Bulldogs total that uh, have gone into the portal since the season ended. I guess that's right, one, two, five now. Five counting McMillian. Uh, Aaron Brule, of course, headed to Michigan State. Rodney Gross headed to Arizona State. London Kraft, still not exactly sure what he's going to do, but there are seven Mississippi State players that entered fall camp with us that are in the transfer portal now. London Kraft, which is ironic, is uh, he gets through fall camp and earns a scholarship. We put him on scholarship, and then he goes in the portal. It's kind of funny how that worked. Now, 
we got seven going out. At this point, we have one coming in. That's Marcus Banks. That's the former Alabama defensive back. There was a lot of smoke in the 48 hours or so, you know, after that he committed to Mississippi State. Miami was still working hard to get him. It appears that is settling now, and now he is making his plans to be at Mississippi State sooner rather than later. Of course, we're about, I guess, 10 days away, uh, maybe a little longer than that. I guess, yeah, it's maybe it's the 18th that we begin classes. But guys are going to report earlier than that, come in, get their housing set up, kind of get their locker set up, that sort of stuff. And so at this point, you have seven going out and one coming in as a transfer. We will add some additional transfers, as you guys are uh, kind of aware by now. And I think it's important to kind of keep an inventory of that. You know, So we've got some guys that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, some guys that we're, we're targeting as part of our recruiting segment. Because uh, I think it's important that you guys kind of are well aware where we are and where things stand. There will be a lot of new names that hit the Bulldog recruiting radar here in the next few weeks. The the transfers are going to hit it sooner rather than later, you know, because you know you got basically till uh, the 18th. I guess you have the drop ad date. That, that's the official last day. That's what happened with Jalen Green last year. You know, he came in, I guess, a day after the drop ad date. There is always a little wiggle room there, but the reality of it is, in order to get here in time for spring practice, they're going to have to make a move, not just publicly with a declaration. But they're going to have to sign their financial aid agreement and then enroll in school and uh, you know be here to go through the off-season conditioning drills, and that's all going to happen uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, again, you know we talk about transfer numbers, and I gave you guys an update a while back. We had the second lowest number in the Southeastern Conference at that time, behind only Georgia. You know, and things obviously have changed a little bit since then. Uh, you're seeing a lot of guys go in the portal, and things have really exploded here in the last. Um, you know, week to 10 days, I guess, since the season, uh, regular season's winding down. And give you guys kind of a tip here, too. Uh, looking at LSU, and, I, and they kind of hit the mind here. And, and let me let me count these down for LSU. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven in the portal right now. And then, of course, they've had several others that um, you have declared for the draft. Or I say probably a few others. But I give LSU a lot of credit, man. What was it, 38 scholarship players last night, and they had a former high school quarterback who played uh, wide receiver. He was a redshirt senior wide receiver with 20 catches in his career. And those guys went out there and got their, their teeth kicked in by Kansas State. I thought Kansas State would win it straight up. But when all the things that LSU was facing, I think we all expected Kansas State to win going away. But you know what? The thing that struck me in that ball game, especially that first defensive series for LSU, they're out there making some plays, and they ended up giving up a touchdown. But what struck me is, man, how much pride those guys have in that uniform and in that helmet logo. And, yeah, they went out there and competed and uh, give their LSU fans a lot of credit for showing up and cheering for the team. But it's kind of one of those things, too. It's like you look at it and you say, you know, there's a reason these guys are second and third teamers. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. 
When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Now, LSU could have canceled the game. They could have. They didn't. And I think that says a lot about them, you know, as a program. Um... You know, just kind of watching these things unfold, you know, it's just uh, it's interesting to me. Let's run through the West here real quick, kind of give you guys an update. Joe Fouché, one of my favorite players in the SEC, is in the transfer portal. He is a safety from Arkansas. Hey, Jay Wash, go get him. But uh, Joe now makes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen players from Arkansas that have gone into the portal since November 8th. That's interesting, right? Let's take a look at Auburn. They've had several as well. Uh, Drashawn Miller goes in today, cornerback. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve for Auburn. So again, I think it's important we take things in their proper context. Alabama, one, two, three, four, five, six, and we have uh, one of those banks coming our way. So Alabama stays ahead of us. Of course, Alabama's still playing for a national championship, but it's not to say they won't have some more players go in the portal uh, after the game. You know, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that, right? Have a chance to uh, to share in those pools. Let's look at Ole Miss. And I understand there's some more going in. Bryce Ramsey, offensive lineman from Harrison Central, goes in today. Mississippi State recruited him, did not offer. Um, not the least bit surprised to see him go on the portal. I always thought he was a little bit of a reach for an SEC school. But, uh, again, wish him the best. But for Ole Miss, that gives him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixty. 17, 18 guys in the portal since August 1st. That's a lot of dudes. Oh, you didn't know? Well, maybe you should ask somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, you know, I just run through the West here, and I, I think it's important because everybody thinks they're just so acutely aware of what's going on with us. Okay, A&M has four. And who knows what's happened at A&M, right? Uh, but the reality of it is, is there, there's a lot that's going on with these updates. There's a lot that goes on. And, uh, you know, some of these players, obviously, again, you know, some, like I think I guess Kobe said that at Auburn he was kicked off the team, which is interesting. You know, you're not supposed to be able to do that sort of stuff. Uh, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, and Ole Miss had a couple transfer ends. So they, they kind of props their numbers up a little bit. Looks like they're closer to uh, to 15 or so. But either, either way, 
I just bring that up just because I think it's important to understand that um, it's not just happening to us. There are a lot of people that, you know, they only follow Mississippi State people on Twitter, so it's like, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. It's not. You know, I firmly believe that we should make some changes to the transfer portal. And, and I'll let you guys get done clapping. There are a couple things that I think need to happen. I think, number one, the schools need to have some assurances of when they're going to have players and when guys are going to leave. I think there should be a transfer period. I think there should be two transfer periods. I think spring practice concludes, you know, for most people, you know, let's say uh, end of April. So let's say we open up a transfer portal from May 1st to June 30th. That gives everybody, you know, two months after spring practice, hey, I, I went out, I competed, I didn't want a job, I got to go somewhere else, or maybe perhaps I've earned my degree and I want to go somewhere else and get into grad school somewhere else. Because that's how this whole thing started, right? We wanted to reward guys that earned their degrees early and still had some eligibility left and give them the ability to go be a grad transfer somewhere, and now we've opened up Pandora's box. So let's say we open up the spring transfer period from May 1st to June 30th. That's plenty of time for everybody to get out because, you know, it's like, you know, every day a guy's in a portal or whatever. You know, it, it just seems to be very convoluted to me. So if we really want to focus on academics, let's ensure that the fall, that the spring semester is over and that people can get into summer school and get into summer workouts after their transfer. And then let's do it again. Let's say let's start the, the Sunday after the regular season, maybe the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And then maybe that runs to January 1st. And then that way, come July 1st, coaches know exactly who's going to be on the roster. They're not going to have a guy transfer to middle fall camp. You know, players kind of understand there's not going to be any added competition. And so what would it hurt us to have a transfer period in the fall and the spring? I don't think it would. And I'm always one that's been an advocate for the student-athlete. I think we don't need to do anything to inhibit, you know, the student-athletes from having a great experience, and it's difficult enough as it is. But I think there has to be some protection for the schools. Because I think it's – I mean, you never know from one day to the next, you know, when a guy may go in the portal. I think there has to be some parameters to this. And, again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm off kilter here. I don't think so. I think that's got to happen. I think there had probably should be a waiting period, too. I think maybe a guy goes in and fills out the, the paperwork, and before it's made public, he's got maybe a seven-day grace period or maybe a three-day grace period. He goes in the portal, and, and maybe coaches can see that but can't contact him yet, and then the guy can come out. But again, I think it's before it's public because you know how it is now. I mean, like – as soon as the guy goes in the portal, you know, we usually have a story or one of these Twitter accounts that follows the portal closely, and clearly they all have some sort of access. You know, once a guy is officially in the NCAA transfer portal, it's public and it's everywhere. And you know what? That's good for the player. But what if maybe I'm not quite sure? What if I go down there and I fill out that paperwork? If you give me some time, I can think, you know what? Maybe I'm making a mistake. Maybe I'm making a mistake. Because right now, the way the, the, the way the, the rules work is they don't even have to tell their coaches. All they got to do is go down to compliance and say, hey, I'm going into the portal. They never have to return a phone call from the head coach or the position coach or go to a meeting or anything. And 
I'm not saying that uh, we should treat them as indentured servants. That's not exactly. That's not at all what I'm saying. I just think that, that we could do something to maybe protect the process a little bit more. Maybe they notify the compliance office and the coaching staff, and then there's a 72-hour waiting period before they're officially in the portal. And maybe at that point, maybe Bracky Brad or Steve Smith follows up and says, hey, let's let you know we're fixing to put you in the portal and we want to make sure that you're good to go. You know, I just think what happens a lot of times, you know, maybe we get caught up in something and the next thing you know, we go get in the portal and once it's out there, once the Band-Aid is ripped off, maybe it's, maybe we're too far from home to come back. And so I just think there, there needs to be some education and some tweaks to the portal. Because the thing that I think about too is like, okay, we're going to have this one-time exemption this year to let people exceed the 25 signing limit provided they're under the 85 to replace some of the transfers. Well, that's good for now, but are you going to do it every other year? Are you going to do it three years from now? It's, it's not going to be a one-time deal because you got more and more players going into the portal. There are no restrictions on how many guys can transfer. And so, but you're going to put restrictions on how many you can sign. And so that's the thing that I think about all of this. I think some of this was kind of ill-conceived and there have been some unintended consequences that I don't know that people have fully appreciated. There are a lot of guys, too, and I wrote about this earlier in the week. You know, Makai Polk is a transfer portal success story. A guy is kind of undervalued at Cal and comes here and becomes a record-breaking receiver at a Power 5 school. That's what everybody's searching for, right? I'm that guy. Well, chances are you're not that guy. You know, you might be Cam Gardner that leaves Mississippi State and ends up at Mississippi Valley State. And, again, as I said in the article, he's one of the lucky ones. Because about 65% of the players, scholarship players that are in the portal, because there's a ton of walk-ons in there too. Like those numbers are inflated some because there are walk-ons that go in the portal looking to get a scholarship opportunity at some level. But there's over 900, nearly 1,000 players in the portal that are FBS scholarship players. And about 65% of them have not announced a school. Many of them do not have an FBS scholarship offer. And then you hear the high school coaches say, you know what, hey, it's really hurting high school recruiting because coaches are not willing to take a developmental player anymore because they say, hey, I'll just wait, go get a guy out of the portal. It's already got a year in a college weight room. And so there are a lot of people that are being impacted by this. So how do we fix it? Nobody's asking me. You know, nobody's asking you. But we have got to do some things to change this because, number one, this is the thing that I think about, too, is if we're so, you know, academically conscious – you know, what's going to happen? Let, let's say for an example that, uh, you know, uh, John Strawberry from Mississippi State decides to go into the portal to seek for the playing time. Well, what if he doesn't get an opportunity anywhere? So now he has gone into the portal, made an adult decision, and may face some very real and adult consequences because he may not be able to, to afford tuition to finish up his college degree somewhere. So what do we do for that? Yeah, and you could say, hey, Steve, you know, you play dumb games, you give them dumb prizes. But we have glamorized this portal in many respects. We, as in the college football uh, media, hey, this is a guy's a transfer portal success story. But, you know, more times than not, they're not Joe Burrow, they're not Makai Polk, they're not Jamison Williams. And more times than not, they're guys that uh, don't really contribute. There are a lot of guys out there that don't get the opportunity. Everybody thinks the grass is always greener on the other side, and sometimes it is. But it's pretty rare. 
I mean, it really is. Nobody's writing about those kids that go in the portal that don't get another opportunity. And that's the risk you run. And you wonder why you see guys go in the portal one day and commit to another school two, three days later. What's well, because there's already been some due diligence done. You don't think that some of these guys, maybe a high school coach, has kind of reached out to an assistant coach and said, hey, listen, hey, John Strawberry's about to go in the portal. Are you guys interested? He's interested in you. Now, by rule, that's not supposed to happen. But you know it does. But what about the guy that doesn't have a high school coach or a seven-on-seven coach or a trainer or somebody like that that can go act on his behalf? You know, they go in the portal kind of wide-eyed and hopeful and thinking, okay, this is going to work out for me. The next thing you know, it doesn't. You say, what do you do? Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, what is it, less than 5% of NCAA Division I football players go pro in football? Less than 5%? So you got 95% out there that, you know, we've kind of got a duty and a responsibility to make sure they get their college degree. And so how does this impact that goal? And what do we do to fix it? You know, you can't – obviously can't pay for their education. You know, if they're not playing for a school, you, you certainly wouldn't expect Mississippi State uh, to pay the freight and allow a guy to stay in school to finish up his degree if he's not contributing to the football program. If he is withdrawn from the football program, then, you know, what, what is he going to do? And so there are a lot of things out there that I think this, this looked good on paper, but maybe perhaps – you know, we're seeing the reality of this is not exactly what we hoped it would be. You know, do we put the one-year residency requirement back in? And maybe that goes across the board. You know, in the past, you could just transfer in certain sports and have immediate eligibility. Maybe perhaps we, we should put the one-year residency requirement back in for everybody. And I think you, that would stop a lot of transfers that I think are done spur of the moment. And the reality of it is, is you know, if, if I was – let's say I was playing football at Southern Miss – and I wanted to leave, and I had to sit a year, I'm going to think long and hard about that. Okay, I'm going to transfer, and I'm not going to play next year. I'm going to practice. I'm going to get beat up, but I'm not going to be able to, to play in the games. You know, I'm going to be pretty confident in that decision. And I think one of the things that this immediate eligibility issue does, number one, it removes the whole you know, grad transfer thing. I mean, that, again, there's no benefit in really being a grad transfer anymore. You know, used to that was like, hey, we're going to give you this, this special exemption because you were such a great student and give you the ability to transfer and go to grad school somewhere else and, and have immediate eligibility. Well, we have removed the benefit of that. So now we are basically rewarding kind of this instant gratification society, and it's not just this generation. I mean, my generation was the same. I'm sure yours was as well. We want what we want, and we want it right now. And so when we have basically raised a generation of young adults that, you know, think that, hey, life is, is easy, you know, that life gets hard, you go do something else. You know, it's like when, you know, when your kid's like, you know, your kid goes out and tries out for a travel team, baseball team, he doesn't make it. You go try out for another and he doesn't make it. Okay, well, I'll just coach a team. I'll just go put a team together because I want him to get some ABs. You know what? He can get his ABs playing rec league baseball too. He can get his A-Bs, you know, you can go hire a hidden coach and he can get his A-Bs there and he can work hard and get better. But it's like we want to lower the hurdles. I, I've just, I just recently rewatched The Last Dance, you know, with Michael Jordan. And people forget this. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player in the history of the game. 
arguably the biggest sports celebrity in the world during the 90s and in many respects still to this day didn't make the varsity basketball team as a sophomore didn't make it you know walter payton is a freshman at columbia high school didn't get to play with the varsity he played in the marching band and you know what michael jordan and walter payton did they worked hard and they came out the next year and they made the teams and Michael Jordan, of course, you know, explodes onto the recruiting scene as a junior, goes to North Carolina's camp, and next thing you know, they're like, you know what, this is the kid we got to go get. Didn't even play varsity basketball until his junior year. What would Michael Jordan have been had he made the team as a sophomore? Because if you hear his mother Dolores speak, is it motivated him? And that every day he would go out there and shoot hundreds, if not thousands, of jump shots because he felt so disrespected that it motivated him to go be a better player. And so nowadays, it's like, you know, if, if we don't get what we want, then it's like we're scared to let kids have adversity and disappointment in life. I mean, it's just kind of how it is. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to raise your kids, but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think we're setting a pretty bad precedent when we don't let them face a little disappointment. You know, I remember one of the you know, one of the saddest days, you know, as a parent. You know, when when Ani was fighting Taekwondo tournaments in Louisiana, and I thought that he was really good, and you know, he was really good, but he wasn't great yet. And I remember, you know, he makes it to the semifinals and has a chance to medal at the state tournament, and I thought he got, uh, I thought he got hometowned. I thought he got cheated. And the reality of it is when I went back and watched the tape and the emotion wasn't in it, the kid was better. The other kid was just a little bit better, a little bit better. And why in the moment I thought, you know what, this isn't fair because you want it so bad for your kid. You know, and the, to his credit, he didn't think he got cheated. I thought he did. But in his heart, he knew the other guy was better. So we go back and watch the tape together. And I kind of get the reality of it. I said, you know what? We got to get back in the dojo. We got to get better. And we did. And ultimately, I remember when he won his very first state championship uh, for uh, U.S. Taekwondo. The very first time he won it. I still have that picture. Uh, it used to be on my desk. I've got it somewhere else right now. But uh, the smile on his face. And I thought, that smile is not because... I went out there and, and threw a protest and threw a big fuss and everything else. The smile was because of the fact that he learned from the loss and he learned from the disappointment, and it meant so much more when he did it. And so what, when he, once he won the first one, he kind of broke through. He ended up winning three in a row and eventually finished as a silver medalist to the AAU Junior Olympics. And I give every bit of that to the fact that he learned to work to get better. And I think what we're doing with the transfer portal is we are removing that stimulus. We are removing that from the process. That's not to say that, hey, there's some guys out there like, you know, you get to the end of your career and like you look at Aaron Odom. It's like, hey, I, guys, I've been here five years and I've got a COVID year available to me. Yeah, you know, I've got one chance to play before I got to go start punching the clock like everybody else. You know, give me a chance to go play somewhere, you know. Give me a chance to go somewhere else. But, you know, if these younger guys, you get one year in, it's like all of a sudden I'm not starting, I'm not a Heisman candidate, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm going to take my talents and go home. And so I think there's got to be a balance there. 
think there has to be. I think, number one, we, I think we have to remove immediate eligibility. You say, but Steve, no, I, I think it's across the board. I think we're sending the wrong message. And number two, I think you know, you've got to continue to, to, to reinstall the benefit for grad transfers. Give people an incentive to grad, graduate early. You've removed that. I mean, it was a great piece of legislation, and we have completely, you know, basically removed that possibility now because now everybody's treated the same. So now guys that don't even care about graduating have the same benefits of guys who do. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I need to just kind of accept the fact that, um, that we have feckless leadership in charge of the NCAA that couldn't bring in meaningful legislation about name, image, and likeness uh, they have mishandled the transfer portal uh, in an incredible way. And now that we've got a couple of years worth of data, we can see that we're actually providing more of a detriment to the kids than we are a benefit because you've got to look at the totality of it. You say, well, well there's the Joe Burrow thing. And you know what? You're exactly right. Hey, Joe is a shining example of the portal working at its best. But about, what about the hundreds of kids out there that um, leave and actually end up in a worse situation? And say, so, you know what, Steve, there are consequences for adult decisions. There absolutely are. But at this time, we're still the adults. The leadership of the NCAA still the adults. The adults are failing the young people, not the other way around. As I said on Monday's show, you know, it wasn't the players that passed name, image, and likeness legislation. It wasn't the players that passed the transfer portal or instituted the immediate eligibility. It wasn't them. They'd be fools not to take advantage of it. But it's not them. It's not them. It's the same parents, of course, that go start a, you know, a, a travel team baseball team because their kid who can't pitch or hit couldn't make somebody else's team. Those are the people that are letting us down. All right, let's get into today's top ten list. Brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. You know Blair. Blair Chandler is my good friend. He's your good friend, too. Blair has been in the mortgage industry for a long time, and that's one of the things. You know, I feel like that I know a lot about – oh, excuse me, a little about a lot um, – and I was in the mortgage industry for a while and had enough of that for like, you know, what I don't want to do this long term. So I respect people that do. And there's a language involved with mortgage lending that the casual person just doesn't speak. And so it's good to have a friend in the business. And that's Blair Chandler. You can find Blair at CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Blair works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer service and customer satisfaction among mortgage lenders nationally. Blair's in the top 1%, not just working for some fly-by-night subprime lender. He's working for one of the big boys, no doubt about it. If you're looking to refinance your home or possibly purchase a home, maybe get a second home, Blair's a guy to talk to. Let me give you his number. Let me give you his personal cell, not his office number, not a switchboard. It goes right to Blair's phone, 601 501-500-2344. 501-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And you know what? If you mention to Blair, you heard about this on the uh, Boneyard, you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you your appraisal for free. That's right. That's about a $500 value for free just because you're a Boneyard listener. That's, that's pretty good benefit. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter who you root for. You could root for the wrong team. But he is going to, uh, to take care of you. That's, again, about a five to $600 value. There are a lot of fees when getting the mortgage closed. He's going to take care of some of that for you because he values your business. Again, that's closewithblair.com. Okay, today's top 10. Again, I feel like we need to cleanse the palate a little bit. We hadn't done rock lately. We did a bunch of Christmas stuff and 
We did Elton John, and I'll be honest with you, the Elton John list didn't do very well. I thought it was a great list, but apparently you guys are not uh, you know, big fans of Sir Elton John, but uh, we've had a lot of requests for it, so we did it. It didn't work out. So we're going to get back to what we do well here. We're going to get back to some rock. And uh, I got to thinking, too, you know, it's like I always said that, like, the early 2000s was kind of a weird time in music, in rock music, and it was. And there were a lot of pop bands that were very, very successful, but rock music was kind of different because – we couldn't really define what rock was. You know, there are some bands that were basically pop bands that had a distortion pedal that some people considered rock and they weren't. And then there were other people that were true rock bands that were kind of considered alt rock, you know, or maybe metal, you know, because we weren't sure kind of how to define rock. So it kind of became a catch-all term. We had a lot of bands that were under the rock umbrella that are not rock. And some of them are still touring, which amazes me. I guess they're out of money. But, uh, but here are my... Top 10 rock songs from the year 2001. And this is going to make you feel really, really old. Because these, these albums came out 20 years ago. It's crazy. This is 2022. We forget about that. We've already changed the calendar. But we're going to go back. I had this idea a couple days ago, so we'll still consider it a 20-year 20, 20 anniversary. So this is 20 years ago. These are my top 10. And all of these were top five, many of them top number one rated songs uh, on the rock charts that year. So here we go. We uh, had had a lot of people reach out. I say a lot, maybe seven or eight, that uh, talked about saliva. And maybe we'll do a saliva list at some point. But, um, you know, the number one Boneyard hit on the Greatest Hits album was Survival of the Sickest by Saliva. And I had some people said, Steve, I really wasn't familiar with that song. I knew a couple of their tracks. It's pretty cool. Well, they got a different singer now. Josie Scott left the band to uh, pursue a a career in Christian music for a while. Then he was going to do country, and then he was going to reunite with Saliva. And, and uh, I don't know what he's doing now. I still follow him on Twitter, but occasionally uh, you know, he'll put something out there. But uh, Josie's a guy that uh, a great rock voice, to say the least. And so number 10 on the list was a huge hit uh, for Saliva. It topped out at number four on the rock charts, but it's Your Disease by saliva your disease is killing me it is a great great rock song number nine this is a legendary iconic song the production value of the original song was not very good and this band has had a couple different singers i could probably put a top 10 list together of this band most of you would have never heard the songs but some of you are going to hear me say hey steve i think you should do it and maybe we will but it's drowning pool i love drowning pool they are a rock band all the way. And their signature hit is your number nine song. It's Bodies by Drowning Pool. Of course, that became kind of the theme song for ECW for you wrestling fans. It is an absolutely off-the-rails rock song full of testosterone in every respect. Number eight, a band that I really dig a lot. And uh, David Draymond is a singer for Disturbed. And Dave Draymond is the only rock star that I've ever uh, known that doesn't have any tattoos and the reason that he doesn't is because david is a devout jew and he wants to be buried in a jewish cemetery when he dies and so as a result he doesn't have any tattoos it's interesting i mean it's like you would think this guy sings this crazy and wild you know rock stuff and uh he's a devout jew he is matter of fact that's why he got off twitter he got off twitter and dave was so so good because like when i first got on twitter like dave's one of the first people that i followed and dave would interact with you he tweets you. He DM you. I mean, because, you know, it was, he was just so open and he had all this time. You know, of course, he uh, 
put a secondary project together, a band called Device after a while. But Dave was like a buddy, man. And it's like he responded to all his fans on Twitter. And that kind of got him in some trouble because he couldn't leave the trolls alone. And he just wasn't going to deal with it. So he got off Twitter because he felt there were a lot of people that were anti-Semitic. And so he got off of it. So your number eight song is Down With The Sickness by Disturbed. My favorite Disturbed song is Stupefy. But Down With The Sickness is another one that kind of gets in your face. Uh, number seven, many of you wouldn't have had this band on your list, and that's okay, because we put the top, top ten list together of Nickelback, and you guys loved it. So number seven, I couldn't put them in the top five. I just couldn't live with myself. But number seven is how you remind me from Nickelback. Listen, I like Nickelback. I'm not scared to say it. I know people are like, oh, well, he likes Nickelback. <laughs> you know what? You're lame, too. I like what rocks. And you know what? I don't go pick and choose. I don't go say, hey, well, listen, uh, my friends think this band is really cool. I like what I like. And uh, Nickelback, everybody at some point liked Nickelback. I don't care what they say. They had some great tracks. This is one of their better ones. How You Remind Me by Nickelback is number seven. Number six, I sang this at karaoke one night, and I had a guy tell me that uh, it is like the, uh, it's like the redneck Amazing Grace at karaoke, like that every place they go, like in South Mississippi, whatever. But it's been a while from Stained. I, I love the song I Always Have. Um, I think Aaron's a great singer. He's done a bunch of country music stuff too. But uh, Stained, I would say Mud Shovel's probably my best track by Stained, but It's Been a While was a huge hit for them. That's your number six song on the top 10 rock songs of 2001. Number five, another guilty pleasure for a lot of people. And this is also one of the, the top uh, listened to Boneyard top tens, but it's Creed. That's right, it's Creed. You go ahead and say it, I don't care. Because you and I both know when when Arms Wide Open came out, you were singing that song. You might have even had a tear going down your cheek, thinking, you know, I hope my my sons are not like me either. But that's not our song. It's My Sacrifice from Creed. And they play that at Duty Noble Field. And uh, our friend Brian Haydad sometimes will uh, even go live so you guys can enjoy My Sacrifice from Creed. Uh, I like Creed. Scott Stapp was kind of an annoyance there at the end. And if if you don't know, the band Alter Bridge is Creed with a new singer, Miles Kennedy, who I believe is one of the top three singers in all of rock music at this point. Uh, so Alter Bridge kind of rose from the ashes of Creed. And Mark Tremonti, I still say, is the best guitarist of this generation. Number four, you want to talk about innovation? You want to talk about a band that does things their way and doesn't really care if you like it or not? It's Tool. And we're going with uh, Schism. Could have gone a lot of different directions here. Schism was a huge hit, a number one hit for Tool. I'm a huge Tool fan. Huge. You should be too. There are a lot of people like that. Like that's a thing too that I'll say. There was a, a lot of bands in the 80s that were very cookie cutter. You know, that when Motley and Rat and those guys came out and you know, people were like, hey, this is different. This is fun. Well, by the end of the 80s, early 90s, everybody was kind of doing the same things. Like they, people believed that they belonged, but nobody stood out. And then that opened the door for some new bands in the 90s. Now, a band that, that kind of bursted through in the early 90s that wasn't a grunge band that is still selling out arenas all over the world is Tool. They weren't labeled as grunge because they weren't grunge. They're in a category all of their own. But Schism... From Tool, number four on the list. Number three, we've had this one on the top ten list before. Uh, this is a song, too, that was very, very popular after 9-11 with young people around the country. 
It's a song alive by P.O.D. We did a top 10 list of P.O.D. I love P.O.D. If you spend some time and listen more of the catalog, and you can you can download the greatest hits. You'll dig that. You know, Youth of the Nation and uh, all that good stuff. Boom. I mean, so, Boom is still a great track. I don't know why people don't play it at football games anymore. I guess it got old. But uh, Alive is your number three from P.O.D. Sunday and the boys there do a great job. Number two. This is a band that is kind of falling apart here as of late. We did a top ten list with them a while back and had a lot of reaction, a lot of response from you guys that uh, that weren't aware about some deeper songs in the catalog. But uh, we're going back to the beginning. This is a band that hit the ground running. They exploded. Their debut album, Come Clean, was something that everybody, it seemed like the world was waiting for that album. We went with Control, Puddle of Mud, Control, number two. This is probably a song, too, you don't need to listen to with your kids in the car. But number one, I think one of the most innovative bands of the next generation. I don't think there's any question. And sadly, they're never, they'll never fully reunite due to Chester Bennington's suicide. But it's Linkin Park, number one. It's In the End by Linkin Park, your number one rock song from the year 2001. I think this is a great list. I think you guys will enjoy this. And most, most of you know these songs really, really well. And right now you're sitting here thinking, Steve, there's no way that came out 20 years ago. And you're wrong. It did. It did, and these were all on the charts and uh, all top five hits on the rock charts back in 2001. So there you go, bit of a palate cleanser back on the rock side of things. If you have an idea for a top ten list, reach out and let me know. You can send it along. I'll be happy to do it, and uh, we just might use your idea. If you're not following me on social media, you should. What's, what are you doing with your life? At Scout Steve R at all forms of social media. And again, a tip of the cap to our friends Izzy and Roy that put these wonderful lists on Spotify and Apple Music for you guys. Uh, you can find Roy's uh, list at, at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C. Give him a follow on Twitter or Spotify and uh, make it easy for you to kind of keep up with the list. And again, we're always happy to do it. Never thought that it would become what it has. And to be honest with you, I kind of took the idea from Dave Letterman because I used to love watching Dave Letterman. We'll do a top 10 list. So we did it. And who knew, who knew that it would be, it's what it's become. And we have some of these lists, guys, that get 15,000, 20,000 views. It's ridiculous. How does that happen? But anyway, thanks for your support. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Stand the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Everybody out there will take care of you. And their mind's your family. They'll treat you as such. I love going in there. So many great things to buy. Bought a lot of Christmas gifts there. I buy a lot of things for myself there, too. When I'm in town, I think, hey, I got a speaking engagement. I need a new Mississippi State shirt. I go get one there. You can peruse their fine selections of maroon and white fashions at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's right. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. When you're in town, go by and check them out. You'll be glad you did. And again, if you can't, be sure to use them to fill your online shopping needs. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR to save shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Let's talk a little basketball. And if we're talking basketball, it is definitely going to be a little basketball. A lot of weird stuff going on. You know, it's, you know, the ladies give them the credit. They went and played South Carolina on short notice and competed against the number one team in the country. It didn't work out, but you know what? I give Doug Novak and those ladies a lot of credit. It would have been easy to say, you know what, hey, we're not prepared for this. And they didn't. They just went there and played and competed. And that's the thing that I said last year with when we were having all this angst about uh, women's basketball. 
the thing that we're willing to accept at Mississippi State is effort. We won't accept a lack of effort. We just we absolutely will not accept that. Now we'll we'll accept losing to in a certain respect, as long as people are out there representing Mississippi State and competing and doing a great job. We didn't always get that last year, but you know what? We got great effort. We got great effort from the ladies on short notice on January second against South Carolina. We lose by twelve, but I was very impressed with the effort. We made a game of it. And, you know, I look forward to the point that we can go to South Carolina and win again. We're not in the same stratosphere as them right now, as you guys are well aware. They were our better rivals, basically, for a couple of years there, and it was so much fun. We're not there yet. But you know what? If we had gone out there and lost by 40 points, I don't think anybody would have been surprised. So I don't believe in more victories, but at the same time, too, I can recognize the effort. Ladies now expected to play uh, Thursday night in Tuscaloosa. That's a 6 p.m. tip and then uh, should be back home on Sunday the 9th uh, to host Vanderbilt. And, of course, all that is pending, right? Everything in life is day-to-day, uh, especially with all this COVID stuff. I mean, the reality of it is is we never know from one day to the next uh, when games are going to be played, if they're going to be played, who's going to play, who's going to coach. There's a lot of things are going on that's got to change, for sure. All right, let's look at the men's side of things. As you guys were well aware, the men were supposed to play tonight at Missouri. As I share with you guys in the final moments of Monday's show, that game was postponed. Our next game will be scheduled to be January 8th, this Saturday, Saturday night against uh, the Ole Miss Rebels. Our last ball game, of course, way back December 29th. Do you worry about rust? Yeah, you do, especially going on a road game. And listen, you know, we've basically split within the last couple of years, and it's weird that we have played better in Oxford at times than uh, we played in Starkville. But uh, this will be an interesting ball game. Not really you – know, and we'll preview it a little bit more as we get into Friday. Uh, I don't know what to make of this Ole Miss team. I don't know, how, you know really how you, can, how you can even look into all this stuff. You know, I mean, I just don't know how you do it. You know, how can you really evaluate a team right now, you know, how can you be a part of that? I don't understand that. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, everybody's dealing with the same thing. We're all dealing with it. I think it's important that we recognize that. It's not just happening to us. It's happening to everybody. Um, so Ole Miss 8-4 and four right now. Kind of run this down for you real quick. Uh, they beat UNO, and then they beat Charleston Southern to get off to a 2-0 start. They lose to Marquette out there in the Shriners Children's Charleston Classic. They beat Elon and then lose to Boise State. So not a good weekend for them out there in Charleston. They come home and drill Mississippi Valley. I say drill. They beat them 73-58, probably a lot closer than people anticipated. They take down Ryder 75-51. They beat number 18 Memphis 67-63, and you feel like, hey, they're turning the corner. And then Rick Stansberry blows them out, out in Atlanta, Georgia, 71-48. And it was just Rick. The Hilltoppers just watched. Uh, Middle Tennessee, kind of a revenge game, I guess, for uh, Kermit. They're 10-point winners there. They take down Dayton by 10 and then lose to Samford. So this is a team that has been very much up and down. And we talk a little bit about rust. Ole Miss hadn't played since losing that game to Samford. According to their schedule, the SEC opener, of course, was um, – you know, set to be played against Florida. That was postponed. They are set to play at Tennessee tonight. That, that's an interesting 
interesting game right there to open your SEC play uh, on the road at Knoxville, and it's been a pretty good Tennessee team as well. So that's what they'll see, and then, of course, we will uh, be at their place on Saturday. So we'll see how things progress. But not a lot of basketball stuff to talk about because, you know, games are getting postponed. And that's the thing, too. I think this this point last year we were kind of expecting it. Like, it was never a surprise. Now it is. It's like, well, what's, what's happening? I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about the virus because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. But I don't understand how we can basically go the full year of football with very limited and minimal issues, and all of a sudden we get into basketball and, and you know, all hell breaks loose. I understand there's smaller rosters there, but at the same time, too, it's like, you know, why can't we just go play the games? You go back to this whole LSU thing. LSU went and played the game last night. They went and played the game. And if you've got an, I mean, how many times, how deep do you get in the bench in a ball game? What, eight players maybe? Let the walk-ons play. It is what it is. But it's like when you postpone the games, you say, well, you're hurting the quality of play. Not if you do it across the board. Not if everybody's in it. Because there's no guarantee that you're going to have guys that aren't, you know, COVID positive when you play the second time, when you reschedule the game. Just get the games done. That's just how, that's how I feel about it. You know, plans are made. You know, there's you know, moms and dads think, hey, we're going to bring our kid to the ball game. And thankfully, this Missouri game was canceled, uh, you know, well in advance so people could make uh, adjustments to their plans. But, you know, what about, you know, some of these other games that are, that are canceled, uh, you know, a day or two before the game and, and people have already maybe, maybe got non-refundable tickets or something like that? What do you do? You know, just play the games. Oh, well, the star players can't play. You know what? A bunch of our star players couldn't play against uh, the Liberty Bowl. Just get them played. Yeah, I think it makes for a more interesting season, to be quite honest with you. Let's just go see how good these coaches really are, you know? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's like I don't understand, like, so we're going to cancel or postpone a game out of fear of losing. Okay, we're not going to be at full strength. You know, so, you know, we've had games in the past, you know, we've missed star football players, and we didn't contact other school and say, hey, listen – we're not going to be at full strength. How do you guys feel about maybe playing this game in two weeks? It doesn't make any sense to me. Just go play the games. Win or lose, go play the game. Oh, well, so-and-so is not available. Well, what if he pulls a hamstring in practice? We're going to postpone again for that? It's like we put these COVID protocols in you know, to kind of protect players, but it's like, you know what? You know, life doesn't slow down for the rest of us. I mean, I can't go postpone work. You can't go postpone work. I mean, if you get sick and you got to stay home, you got to do that. But life goes on. I don't understand what we feel like we gain by postponing these games. Just go play the game. And if that means you got to go out there and, and, and you know, your, your starting five is backed up by four or five walk-ons, and then so be it. You go play the game. I don't see how that puts the student athlete at a safety disadvantage. I just don't. I mean, you've got able-bodied players. Go play. Oh, well, we're missing a handful of guys. Okay. Such is life. You think anybody felt for us? You know, all those years that, you know, we'd have when Don Smith was injured, you know, at Mississippi State. Think anybody felt for us in baseball a couple of years ago when we had, you know, half a dozen or more uh, Tommy John surgeries? You think anybody said, hey, listen, we feel really bad for Mississippi State. They're not at full strength. We're going to play with eight. No, that's not how life works. So that's like I don't understand why we're, we're kid-gloving this thing way too much. If they can't play, you play with what you got. That's how life works. 
I don't know why we're making these changes. And I, I suspect there's probably TV involved in this too. But how cool would it be if you had a team that was short a couple of their star players to go beat a team they shouldn't? You're removing that possibility. I mean, listen, I mean, we've seen some games, you know, recently where teams have been shorthanded and won. Again, I'm not going to belabor the point. But, again, not a lot of basketball talked about. And then, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to win a ball game Saturday. We'll see how things progress. But it's just interesting. You know, we get into non-conference play, and, you know, for the most part it goes off without a hitch. And then we get into SEC play, and every time you turn around, somebody's having to make a change. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm sure somebody will message me and tell me how I'm wrong, though. I'm sure that'll happen. All right, let's get into the final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Our good friend, Brooks Bryan. I love Brooks to death, man. You will too. Great guy. Great guy that will take care of you. Part of a great group of professionals that are bringing a great residential community to Starkville. Phase one's already sold out, folks. Portico's been with us for a little while now. And, uh, you know, we've been able to kind of watch that, that development kind of grow, right, before our eyes. And uh, if you haven't been by there to go check it out, you should. Next time you're in town... Take that turn on the 12 off of 82, the very first right Pat Station Road. There'll be a stop sign there. It's a bridge to the left. They just finished. They're letting it settle now. That's the old West Point Road Bridge. It's closed right now, but it's going to be opened up. But you go through that stop sign, and then boom, there you're a portico. Go right around and take a look for yourself. You don't need to get a real estate agent. Go dream a little bit, right? Go do some window shopping. So you know what? This is really close to campus. Yeah, it's 1.1 miles. Very convenient for the true maroon bulldog right you can start with a two-bedroom two-bath home go up to a four-bedroom four-bath home at this point you can pick out your lot and then have a say in your plans because they're just kind of getting construction started for phase two if you have questions and i'm sure you do give brooks a call today 601-416-8075 601-416-8075 he played for coach ron polk and Pat McMahon probably got some cool stories that he can share with you as well while you guys learn more about your new home. Make Portico your next move. All right, in the time we have left here, let's talk some in recruiting. You know, we have uh, spoken at length, I guess, about transfer portal outs. You know, we talked Marcus Banks coming in, and again, that situation appears to have really settled. You know, I, I won't breathe a sigh of relief until he's here. You know, once he's here, in Starkville, I mean, he's not going to move here. Then, then okay, well, I'll think I'll go to Miami. No, he's not going to stop over here to do that. Uh, so there was some concern, you know, you know, he when he left Alabama, he moved all this stuff home to Houston. And maybe he just thought, you know what, I don't ever want to go back to Tuscaloosa. And maybe he'll go back as a visitor, as a member of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, right? Uh, but he's here. Uh, he's committed here. And so hopefully we can get him here. We're counting down the days. Jason Washington, Darcel and Bath, both doing a great job kind of making him feel valued to Mississippi State. Uh, of course, you've got your newcomers, your junior college guys coming in as well. But that's a valuable addition. We've almost forgotten how significant it is. We've talked about corner recruiting so much. Then you get to Carlos Nicholson, your number one junior college target. Then you get Marcus Banks, your number one transfer portal target. All of a sudden, you can start getting healthy in a hurry. Because uh, last year's corner recruiting was not good. It wasn't. We had to take some developmental guys, and who knows if they're going to develop. Are they going to be the next Calvin McMillian that goes into the portal? A guy that maybe is a bit of a reach, and then he doesn't develop, and so the next thing you know, he's headed somewhere else? You know, that's what happens. That's what fills the transfer portals. When you take guys, and that's the thing, too. It's a, With the portal the way that it is now, you almost can't afford to take those guys because you can't be patient. 
You can't. You know, the price of winning is so high at this point. But we're going to take another defensive back or two. We've got to go get a safety. There's a few names out there. There's new names every single day. We've got a long thread, the official transfer thread. It's run by one of our users over at jeanspage.com, one of our subs. And anytime a new guy goes in the portal, boom, it's on there. And then, of course, people are like, hey, Steve, Paul, any interest? And it's like, you know, we don't, we don't even know. We ain't talking to the kid yet. But, yeah, so, again, corner needs are being met. Probably got to take a high school guy at corner now. You hang on the banks. You get the Carlos. You've kind of got your stopgap guys in place to give your younger guys a chance to develop. Got to go get a younger guy to get in a developmental pipeline. But it doesn't need to be – you know, some this raw materials guy. We got to have a guy that can play a little bit. No doubt about it. We need another Emmanuel Forbes quality type guy. Uh, probably a kid from Mississippi. If you're asking me, don't know what's available out there. But the reality of it is, we need people that kind of fit that uh, metrics. The Emmanuel Forbes, whatever he has, just go find it. That guy can really play. Uh, kickers. We've talked about this at great length. You know. Uh, Vito Calvarusi, State has been in contact with him. He announced his intentions to transfer to Wisconsin. State is still recruiting him. Not sure what Vito, uh, you know, if he had, there's any wiggle room there. But the reality of it is, is Vito's a guy that uh, kind of a highly coveted guy in many respects because he is so successful putting balls out of the end zone. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Massimo Biscardi. He is the uh, kicker from Coastal Carolina. I like where State sits here. No official declaration yet. You know, there are still people that are recruiting him. Feel good about where State sits. Uh, and that would be a big addition to Mississippi State, to get Massimo Biscardi. It's a guy that it's, uh, was a Luke Rosa uh, nominee last year. And uh, got banged up a little bit last year, or he probably would have gone pro. This is a true NFL prospect, a kicker. And I think State has a good chance to get him. I won't say that it's a done deal by any stretch because – you know, until these guys announce and move to campus, you simply never know. But, you know, we've got a chance to kind of rebuild that room, and we need to. You guys are well aware of the issues that we've had uh, with the kicking game. We've talked a little bit about Gabriel uh, Placencia. Talked to him yesterday, and uh, San Diego State is kind of closing in, potentially may offer. And, of course, if they do, I, I would expect him to stay out west. At this point, he has Sacramento State and Mississippi State. I felt really good about Mississippi State shortly after the offer, but, of course, now San Diego State in the mix could certainly change some things. It's a California kid. You say, well, it's Steve at San Diego State. That's the thing about being a specialist. If you can kick, they're going to find you. you you got these kicking gurus out there to kind of keep up with guys and rank them as NFL prospects. Uh, there is no quality of competition when it comes to kicking, right? I mean, it's like you, either you make it or you don't. And so as long as the fundamentals and the techniques are solid – you know, they're going to find you. And so you could say, well, you know, you could play in the SEC, and that's true, or you could play closer to home. So I, I won't count him as a lean right now. I may have done that a week ago. I don't consider him one uh, today. There's some other names out there. You're potentially going to have a, a guy that can come in here and punt, maybe, and be a walk-on punter, maybe. We'll see. You know, Placencia is a guy that can punt, and it can kick off. His, uh, he's a decent field goal kicker, too. You know, he's a guy that can contribute in all three disciplines. Uh and provide some competition. And I think that's part part of the issue, too. And so we'll see how things progress. And this is something that, uh, you know, Matt Brock is having to handle this. And uh, Matt Brock is your special teams coordinator. And, and he'll do a good job. And it's like everybody's like, oh, we got, we got to change. Got, no, we don't. No, we don't have to change, guys, one bad year. A year ago, we were much better. Much better. We'll figure it out. Give it some time. Get excited. 
your coaches are working, trying to ensure that you've got players out there that can contribute and provide a you know very quality football team next year. And really, to be honest with you, I really believe the value of our 2022 team in many respects is going to be based on how well we do in the portal here in these next two weeks. I think this is a very significant two weeks for Mississippi State. You've got to go get – you have to get a right tackle. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think Albert Reese could handle it, but wouldn't it be nice to give him a chance to work as a two-deeper this year and then have a chance to be the starter, you know, 2023 and beyond. He is an outstanding player. We expect him to be a starter for State. I think he's a guy with NFL potential. He certainly has NFL size and strength. It's just a matter of him kind of learning and, and kind of – uh, getting used to the speed of the game. But it'd be nice to have a stopgap guy. Maybe you get Mason Brooks from Western Kentucky. Maybe you do. You know, we, I spoke to J.D. Dorenzo a couple days ago. Uh, you know, J.D. is a guy that's always recruitment explode. He's a two-time All-American from Sacred Heart. It's an FCS school. Could have gone into draft this year, but his advisor said, you know what, because of a loaded draft, let's go play another year against FBS competition, see how things progress for you, and maybe it'll up your stock in the eyes of NFL scouts. So that's what he's looking to do. But he's basically looking for a place where he's guaranteed a job. I don't know if he's going to be guaranteed a job here. He'll be guaranteed an opportunity, so we'll see. But uh, not exactly sure when he's going to whittle the list down. I know that he, uh, when I spoke to him last, he was supposed to have like a Zoom call meeting with Mississippi State either yesterday or today. And so we'll see how things progress there. Again, I'm not expecting him right now. He's just a possibility. Uh, talk to um, – uh, Tremont Shorts from East Tennessee State yesterday. Tremont Shorts is a guy that uh, really kind of tight-lipped about things, doesn't have a lot to say, doesn't want to tip his cap or tip his hand or anything like that. Or, You know, he's just like, hey, I'm looking for the right fit, looking for the right scheme. He's got LSU, Nebraska, Mississippi State, a handful of others. He's just kind of figuring it out. And uh, he was a guy that uh, kind of like Aaron Odom. You know, he'd been there five years, has the benefit of a COVID year, wants to have the opportunity to perhaps show what he can do against a better competition. And this is a guy that can really play. This is a guy, too, that was kind of a lightly recruited guy to love Joey High School, ends up at East Tennessee State, and then develops. And that's where I think you're going to see, you know, the talent level at probably some of these uh, G5 schools uh, and FCS schools probably increase because they're going to focus more on high school recruiting, whereas – you know, a lot of Power 5 schools are working the portal a lot harder than they should, and, and rather than take a developmental guy from your recruiting footprint, you're going to go get somebody that, in some respects, uh, you know, may have some scratch and dent qualities to them. But you think, you know what, they've been in a college weight room a year or two, maybe a, a fresh start will do them good. The thing that I go back to, especially with younger guys, you know, it's like this J.D. Dorenza thing, it makes sense. Mason Brooks, it makes sense. He had a great situation at Western Kentucky, but he has NFL aspirations. He could go pro this year. But he feels like, you know what, I need another year. I guess better competition. And so those are the kind of guys that we're going to get. Those guys help you, and it helps them. But these younger guys, a lot of these guys that go in the portal, there's a reason they're in the portal. There's a reason that they have not advanced their current school. It may be ability. It may be work ethic. It may be character issues. You never know. There's always some risk-reward when you go in the portal. There's a reason they're leaving. Simple as that. You know, it's like we always you say, there's a reason these guys are in JUCO. And some of that has a negative connotation. Some of that's an academic-related issue. Sometimes some guys, like the Mississippi Junior College system, has been a haven 
you know, for late bloomers. You have some guys that are full of qualifiers that just don't have Division One size. They go to JUCO for a couple of years, and next thing you know, they're a Division One athlete. And so that's great. But what there was, again, the reason they went to junior college is they didn't have the size and strength to compete at the Division One level yet. So they needed some seasoning. They go to junior college. So, again, there's a reason they're in JUCO. You don't have a lot of surefire stars that go to JUCO. And so I think you've got a little bit of buyer beware with some of the portal stuff, too, especially with younger guys. You know, if you look at this Makai Polk situation, again, you know, he had a couple of years of eligibility left. But I think if even if we knew he only had one, wouldn't we have taken him, especially in hindsight, knowing the level of production he would have here? But, he again, he's the exception. He's the exception. The state, I thought, hit pretty good last year. I mean, you get Jalen Green, you get Randy Charlton. You know, that's pretty good. You know, not that, you know, I didn't think Green and Charlton and Jamar Calvin were difference makers. They were certainly contributors, though. But you're going to hit on about 50% of these guys. I think that's probably going to be the going rate for everybody. And so when you go out there, you think you're going to build a class. Okay, we're going to go out and get, you know, 18 transfers. Well, then that means about nine or ten of those guys are never going to seriously contribute. They're going to be special teams guys, whatever. And you need those guys too. But I just don't think that's any way to build a program. I think you take advantage of this exception this year and you replenish your roster and you go get some guys that maybe are a little more seasoned and conditioned and ready to go play football and give them a fresh start at football and we'll see how things progress. But we'll see how things go. But, again, to run it down for you, got to get at least one offensive lineman, probably two receivers, it was probably one until Makai went. Now it's probably two. If you can get two great ones, you would. You can get an edge, you take them. I think we're solving at linebacker. I think you're good at corner now that you, if you can hang on the banks. you got to get two impact safeties, and then we'll kind of go from there. And so, again, a handful of transfer guys on the horizon. You know you're going to get some kickers. You know that's, that's, that's just the reality. It's just a matter of what the names are going to be. And so I'm excited to kind of see how that progresses. But uh, the steps that your staff takes here in the next couple of weeks is really going to be kind of a launching pad into what 2022 can be. If we strike out on some of these positions of need, somebody's going to have to step up. But I think it also kind of gives you uh, a little bit of pause. You'd like to be able to bring in a veteran guy that can really compete. A guy that's already been through the wars a little bit, a guy like a Mason Brooks at right tackle. I think you put, put Percy Lewis at left and Mason at right – you probably don't even slow down. And you're going to have a couple of your interior guys, too. They're going to miss a lot of time this spring. They'll be very careful. We've got some guys that have some cleanup procedures, and that's just how it is. You know, some guys that will be somewhat limited in the spring. So there's going to be a lot of reps available. I mean, you know Dollar Bill, you know, with that broken leg ankle situation, you know, that's a guy they're going to be awfully careful with in the spring. So that will open the door for some other guys to get some reps and build some depth. But there's not a lot out there at tackle on this roster. You, know, you exhaust the opportunities, you know, with um, Charles Cross and Scott Lashley. And so you gotta, you got to find some guys. You know Percy Lewis is a guy that you feel like is physically capable. Spring practice will be big for him. But it would be nice to have Albert Reese as your third tackle in 2022 and then be a starter in 23, 24, 25. To me, that's the natural maturation process for a guy like that. I think if you throw him out there right now, I think he'll fight and I think he'll compete. But it could be a situation, too, where you crush his confidence. I don't think he's quite ready to be a full-time starter at tackle in this league. I mean, he, he may have to be. But I think, ideally, you'd like to be able to go get a guy from the portal to give you an opportunity uh, to come in and uh, allow Albert a little more time uh, to develop. All right. And, uh, again, so we're about three weeks away from Dogpile being uh, shipped. 
Now, that's shipped to the publisher. And then in the days thereafter, it'll be shipped to you. So, like, if I say it's being shipped on the 26th, that doesn't mean it's coming to your house on the 27th. So, all those books will be shipped to the publisher. I will then go sign them, spend a couple days. we got thousands of books to sign, including yours. And uh, then they'll get shipped out to you and shipped out to bookstores. And so, we're getting close. And it has been uh, – I'm starting to get excited. I was so incredibly disappointed, you know, once we got into December. And it was apparent – to me, that uh, this they were not going to meet Christmas. And so we made it through that, and you guys have been so incredibly patient. I think I've only gotten two people that were really negative. Um, and I get it. You know, it's my name on the book. It, I didn't have any responsibility for any of these delays, but um, the reality of it is you don't know who else to contact. And so people vent their frustration to me, but I would say 99% of people have been outstanding. I probably got about 500 messages, and 498 of them were great. I'd, well, I guess I had one more that wasn't, and then when she realized that, that I didn't self-publish the book. She's like, oh, Steve, I'm so sorry. No, no big deal, right? Um, but I appreciate your patience. And uh, again, thanks so much for everybody that's pre-ordered. If you haven't done so, maybe you were waiting for an actual release day. You can go to dogpilethebook.com and pre-order today. Already, they're already uh, making plans for a second printing, already. And the book hadn't been released yet. But because the pre-orders have been so strong, uh, we do feel like we're probably going to run out of books before the uh, second printing gets here because of all these delays and so they're working through all that now so uh, you might want to act quicker sooner rather than later uh, the second part of that too is uh, if you're looking for the other books you can find flim flam stark villains and alpha dogs at the same web address if you're looking for blooms of oleander and many of you have been which is really nice you can find that at amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com books a million up to your local bookstore a lot of people have bought stark villains gear here in the last two months thank you very much for that you can go to starkvillains.com and get your own Stark Villain hoodie or T-shirt. And they come in a variety of colors and styles. And uh, very, very happy to partner with Deep South Pout with that. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on social media. We'll be back on Wednesday, or excuse me, on Friday, hopefully previewing a basketball game. Hopefully we don't get any bad news about, uh, you know, State or Ole Miss having to pull out of the game. And then we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, we'll have some recruiting stuff. If you hadn't been over to jeanspage.com today, uh, Paul put up some biscuits this morning, some late – uh, recruiting news there and uh, again th- business is about to pick up you know the dead period ends on the 13th and these transfer names are kind of coming through fast and furious and you can see it's incredible like a guy goes in the portal and then within like five minutes like half a dozen of the staff members at Mississippi State are following him on Twitter it's crazy how it all happens all right listen you guys have a great week we'll be back on Friday and uh, until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live <laughs> <laughs>